Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 714 Podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Podcorn. If you're a podcaster who wants to monetize your episodes, Podcorn is the solution for you. I personally use Podcorn to monetize my podcast. All you got to do is make a free account, browse through the hundreds of sponsors, make a proposal, and create the ad. And you get paid. Really, guys, it's that simple. Podcorn is the marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorships, such as host red ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Podcorn has been an exciting opportunity as it has allowed us to reach out to sponsors, get funding, and expand our quality and content. Their website is very accessible and makes it easy for you to connect with sponsors. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set your own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. So if you want your podcast monetized, Podcorn is one of the easiest and most secure ways to do so. Their payment method is Stripe, which is secure and trusted by brands like Uber and Spotify, so you never have to worry about your payments. So make sure to click the link in the description and sign up for Podcorn and get started today. Today, ladies and gentlemen, I got my professor from last semester, uh, Mr. Professor Willie Washington. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah, so you're a professor at Cal State Fullerton and also at Community College. Is that correct? Yeah, so I teach at uh, two different universities. I teach at Irvine Valley College, and then I also teach out of the University Honors Program at Cal State Fullerton. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, so... Your main focus is communication, right? And yes. So the, the primary courses that I teach are the public speaking or oral communication courses and uh, critical thinking slash argumentation courses. And what made you get into like communication in the first place? Uh, truthfully, it was uh, my inability or lack of understanding of communication. When I took my first communication college, uh, when I took my first communication class, at in college, I, I started, it opened up my eyes to uh, what the world could be if you were someone who understood communication, someone who understood how to interact with people and how to connect with people. And it just really opened up my eyes uh, on, on a variety of levels. And of course, being a young college student, right, mm -hmm. uh, it opened up my eyes to, to dating, right? If you knew how to talk to people in a certain way, you got more dates, friends and things like that. So uh, I really was fascinated with that aspect of the, the academic world of communication and how it was so relatable and how it was needed to be successful in so many different aspects of life from your professional to your personal life. And so as I, after I took my first communication course, I just kept taking more and more and more because each one has a different layer. Each one has a different um, concentration. So you have your interpersonal communication where you're looking at how to, how you interact with others. And it's really an introspective course where you analyze yourself and you start analyzing uh, different things that made you who you are and why you communicate the way you do and interact with people. So that's that course, the interpersonal communication course. I remember, I still remember taking that course and it was probably 20 years ago yeah. at Golden West Community College. And then after that, you have your organizational communication where you 
study businesses or study different groups or, of people who come together and, and how communication develops and how culture develops within those communications, uh, within communication. So there were a lot of aspects of the course that just um, I fell in love with. And then, of course, graduated from college, went into the business world and just said, hey, I'm not not digging this too much. Mm-hmm. So I went back to school, got my uh, master's here at Cal State Fullerton, and then that's when I fell in love with teaching the material, yeah. right? So I had a love for the material, learning it as a student, but then when I started teaching it, it gave me a, a broader understanding of, of how and why these courses are, are, are needed. Yeah, because like, I think uh, before like you find a love for uh, like a certain subject you kind of don't realize that you could actually pursue that in your profession and create a living out of it and you found that which is very great yeah i mean my first few jobs i mean i worked uh at at ups and i was a shift lead there and i the subject right communication came in mm-hmm. handy i noticed that uh, not even i noticed my supervisors noticed that the way that i interacted with the uh, subordinates or people under me was different than others. And, and um, I was moving up the ladder pretty quickly. Uh, then I ended up with another job opportunity, which I had to use my communication skills too. And then, uh, but again, as I was saying, the, the, that world did not appeal to me. And then I just started thinking, hey, what, what did appeal to me? And I said, communication, I love those courses. Maybe, maybe I should go try to give this teaching mm-hmm. thing a shot. Yeah, and in your opinion, like what's the, like, best communication skills that people should learn, like, if you want to share? Um, I believe I have a mentor or um, a, our director at uh, Irvine Valley College. His name is Dr. Gary Reibold. He uh, has what's called the communication axioms, and axioms are universal truths, uh, things that that are pretty much these unwritten laws. Mm-hmm. And I believe the communication axioms are, or at least three of them that I believe that people should really understand and, uh, and internalize and realize it's happening. And the first one that I always tell people is that you cannot not communicate. So I think that is, if you want to talk about an important communication message, it's the idea that you could be alone sitting in your room with headphones on, you're still sending a message. Someone's still, um, interpreting that and gaining meaning from it and and it's also the same as when you're uh if you're talking about business when you're walking in for a job interview you're being analyzed right then and there mm-hmm. every time you're walking down the street walking into your classroom sitting in your classroom somebody or someone is getting a message and they're interpreting that message and they're putting values on you as a person and putting values on on your actions uh, and they're and they're and you're getting judged good or bad so that's the first one is you cannot not communicate and so fully understanding that you're sending a message is 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 important, mm-hmm. right? And and we call the idea of the competent communicator. That is someone who is aware of the message that they're sending, and they're sending the message that they want to send uh, about about themselves. Uh, and uh, the second one that I, I hold and I like is the notion of the idea that meaning, meaning, the meaning of words, the meaning of symbols, the meaning of anything is within the people themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not in what I'm saying. So I always let the class know I'm talking and there may be however many people listening to your podcast and they're all hearing the same message and they're all hearing me. But because we have different worldviews and we have different understandings of the world, 
it's it's being interpreted different ways. And so that's one of the things that I tell people they've got to understand um, that it's not really what you intend to say uh, that matters. It's how does that person receive the message? And you've got to alter that message to make sure that you're communicating uh, confidently and you're communicating in a way that is building connection. Uh, and then the last one that I always like is the notion or the idea that um, communication itself is either passive or um, it can be direct. So understanding the best way to communicate to people, you can directly ask someone to do something. And I always use my daughter as the perfect example. Uh, she's a young teenage girl. And yeah. for whatever reason, teenagers don't want to do what you ask them to do. So I can't ask her to do anything direct, directly. Mm -hmm. I have to passively uh, or insinuate yeah. Uh, the things that should be done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things to be done. I can't. I can't say, "Hey, do this," yeah. because uh, for some reason uh, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. When you become a teenager, you start to say no, uh, and so that. But understanding that, understanding that, hey, some people are better motivated in different ways, and you have to decide the best way to uh, construct that message for them to understand what's needed, and of course, uh, make sure that they understand that what's happening right or what you're asking them to do is not a command it's it's maybe for the good of something right good of yeah. good of everyone or good so. yeah i mean that's what makes uh communication really unique in the sense that not only is it something that you could learn but also it's used daily in our lives and that's very important and um you talked about like incentivizing uh certain people sometimes and i read have you read the book uh um, by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence Fans. Yes, yes. Well, um, everything I read now is for academic purposes. So all of my, uh, I guess, leisurely reading or reading is not actually reading, but I've listened yeah. to the book on audio and audio books. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the greatest things. I'm in my car for six, seven hours a day, pretty much driving back and forth between my different uh, schools or different academies and different things. But I have listened yeah. to that book and I think it's a great book. It's someone, it's something everyone should read. Mm -hmm. it, it, it does, um, it's before or it's not really a communication book, right? Yeah. It's not as far as an academic communication book, but it is something that everyone who wants to become a better communicator wants mm -hmm. to build better connections with people. So everyone should read that book. Yeah. So. I I think in your class when the first day it was like a introduction and I said like my favorite book is that book and like the main thing that I really like took out of it is that you could communicate in different ways and that that can really help improve your life in many ways and talking about your class um, I was in your class last semester and that was my first communication class and I really enjoyed it. And now you're Thank currently you. uh, teaching uh, Honors 101B, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. the class that you were in was the critical thinking course. And uh, because my background is argumentation and debate, I teach that course like a debate course. So I believe that, you know, it, you can you can present ideas and you can, uh, um, you know, present arguments. But really what happens where the critical thinking really takes place is when your ideas and your arguments are challenged mm -hmm. and now you have to, to rebuild them or you have to uh, counter arguments. And, and a lot of times, uh, I'm not sure if you got, had to do this in my course, but I, I assign topics and, for people to talk about and I may put you on a side that you don't agree with. 
yeah. uh, that was a pretty common practice in mm-hmm. the old days of rhetoric where um, Aristotle was teaching and he had his students and he would make sure that, hey, you were you had to be able to debate both sides. Even if you felt a certain way about something, you needed to be able to communicate or talk about the other side so that you could either enrich your understanding of your side and, and, and reinforce your views or change your views, right? You have to, you have to, I think one of the misconceptions is that you have to always be right, mm-hmm. right? In communication or, or in anything. And you, and, and whatever you believe, you have to force uh, stick with that belief no matter what. It's important to be able to, to see the other side and yeah. analyze the other side. So. Understand other people's perspective and yes. then make your own judgment on how yes. you feel. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And your class also is like a debate format. We did a lot of debates like Congress debates and new topics like that. Um, how do you feel like, how, how does that help improve one's like communication skills? Number one, uh, communication, I, I would postulate or put forth the notion that um, communication, whether it is interpersonal, whether it is public speaking, whether it is argumentation, it is a skill. And you touched mm-hmm. on this a little bit. It is something that you can get better at, right? And so uh, in my class, I try to have a lot of low pressure uh, opportunities for you to fail and experiment with communication uh, through debate uh, and and not be punished for it right by be, receiving a bad grade but just say sit there and experiment with different ways of communication and then also growing right mm-hmm. um, so that's that's how it benefits is the I believe the more you do it right the more you communicate the more you interact with people who um, agree with you disagree with you whatever it is uh, the more you get outside your bubble the more you grow and so that's that's how I believe it, it, it helps you is is because there were there were quite a few opportunities. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. I, yeah. <laughs> all of my classes always have a lot of speaking opportunities or uh, I, I make you speak a lot. And mm-hmm. that's that's the reason. And I always go back to an, another book, um, Outliers by yeah. Malcolm Gladwell, where he talks about these people who are exceptional people just have they just did the thing that they're good at more than other people. And of course. RIP, my example is always Kobe Bryant, right? Mm-hmm. There are other athletes who were just as talented as Kobe Bryant, but nobody worked as hard as Kobe Bryant. Yep. And that's what made him who he is. And, I, and that's the same thing going back to public speaking uh, and communication, right? Uh, yep. I, I believe that people do not um, put themselves out there enough to gain the proper skills to become better communicators. And it is one of, one of those things that, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Yeah, because in the beginning, I remember in class, like most of the class stayed quiet and not many people wanted to talk and there would be like these awkward pauses. And, uh, but over time, people got used to that uh, silence and started to talk more and interact. And that leads me into the class I'm in now, uh, public speaking and with your class, I saw, I, I got to conform my arguments better, and in public speaking, I get to present it in a different way, and it, it re- has really helped my communication a lot. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I think that I had a, I had a, one of your former students who is in, my, well, she was in the class with you, and mm-hmm. now she's in my class now. That was one of the things. I forgot what we were doing, but she had said, you know, she 
hated public, she hated speaking, hated public speaking, but after being in my class for the first semester, she's, her answer was, I don't mind it so much anymore, which, yeah. it, which made me feel good, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that uh, her perspective has changed. And this is not gonna be a bashing session on younger generations, but there is a decline in communication skills mm -hmm. uh, because of our cell phones. Uh, I remember, and I always use this joke, right? My, my whole point of going to college was I would try to get to class a little bit early and then sit, pick out a seat next to that person that I wanted to maybe strike up a conversation with. Mm -hmm. But uh, I will be, now we can be six, seven, eight weeks into the semester and students don't know the name of the person they've been sitting next to for three to four or six to seven weeks or however many weeks. And on that, that goes back to what I was previously saying is um, there is that decline in communication. And I think when we have that decline in communication with each other, there's also a decline in understanding. Uh, there is a clip I show in class of Barack Obama where he talks about college is really the place to explore, the place to sit there and say, okay, I'm purposely going to get out of my, my comfort zone, meet new people that are different than the people I grew up with. And I wish I had, I wish I would see more of that in my classroom instead of mm -hmm. going. And I started joking around with students and going, what's the name of that person? What's the name of that person? And, um, and, and now people are starting to talk and I want that. Yeah. I want that interaction. You should, you should get to know your classmates. You should get to know. Yeah. Them. Cause you never know like what that person is interested in and you might be interested in the same thing and yeah. you could develop new friendships and talking about the younger generation, you have a nonprofit uh, that helps elementary school kids. And can you explain more about that? Yes. So my nonprofit back when I started the nonprofit, I thought the cool thing to do was to come up with this really long, you know, name that struck uh, fear and, and respect. Mm -hmm. uh, so the name of the nonprofit is the Argumentation and Communication Leadership Academy. And uh, that is pretty much what my degrees are in argumentation and communication. And we're hoping to build leadership skills. But of course, that name is just way too long. So everyone <laughs> just calls us ACLA. Yeah. And we started with a local elementary school here. It was actually my graduate project when I was graduating with my master's degree from Cal State Fullerton, you have three exit options. You could write a thesis, you could take comps, which is a long test, I mm -hmm. hate tests, yeah. uh, or you could design and create a project. And what I did is I created a uh, elementary school debate, speech and debate program to enhance uh, communication. And there's a lot of debate, speech and debate programs out there, but what I wanted mine to be, the way I wanted mine to be different was, we were going to be grounded in the discipline, right? The collegiate dis discipline of communication. And so we taught communication theory before we went into debate and argumentation and all of that. And a lot of our events, we created new events just because we wanted to enhance communication skills. And so what happened was after my graduate project had ended, uh, the principal of the school, the local Fullerton school, came to me and said, look, you can't leave us. You've changed our children's lives. And then I was like, wow, this is something I love. I mean, I love teaching at the college level, but then I loved interacting with these students. And what really I loved was that bridge because I would bring my college students in to interact with the elementary school students. And these elementary school students uh, were always looked up like, whoa, these college students mm -hmm. are taking time out of their day to interact with us. And of course, I got old and, and I, I became no longer cool. And so bringing in the cool college students really got my elementary school kids excited about learning uh, communication. 
And so what I just decided to do was uh, I started the nonprofit. So the nonprofit is my graduate project from when I was here at Cal State Fullerton. It developed to the nonprofit. And currently we serve about 20 to 25 schools in Westminster and um, Irvine in Tustin. And then we uh, also serve my daughter's school, which is in the Placentia Yorba Linda School District. So we have about 20 to 25 schools where I, I get college students, mm-hmm. I get speech and debate students, I get future teachers, and we give them curriculum and they go in and they teach um, they teach public speaking courses. And we have tournaments, we have events. I actually have an event this weekend. Um, and and can I do a plug? Is it a yeah, plug? Yeah, hey, <laughs> if you need a job, uh, we're always looking for coaches. I, I think that's... Is there a website they could go on? Yes, uh, so my website is www dot acl academy dot org mm-hmm. um, and that will just show give you the background of of the program um, but uh, I mean I, I can I guess give you more information yeah to, I just want to share my experience okay uh, you did yeah, yeah you judged at one of the events yeah, yeah that's great I judged at one of the events it was like the the substitution for the final but. Like, I, I would have done it anyway. I, I, I get creative <laughs> ways to get my students involved. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, but at first, like, I was a little, like, this might be boring. It's not, like, I just, it's like judging, like, elementary school kids. But when I got there and I saw these kids develop arguments and uh, I had to judge them and I met with many of the kids, it's really it's really a fun experience to to gain. And I was there for almost, I think, four hours and it was a fun time meeting with all the kids. And I was really impressed with the arguments that they had. Uh, I think they were talking about like US politics or whatever, and that was their prompt. And they, they did the research, they had all these arguments laid out, and it was a really good good um, like place to be. Yeah. I, I find, that's what I like about it, there's this double benefit, right? Um, again, when you're judging at these events, my uh, students, of course, the, the students that are part of my academy or after school programs, they're getting to interact and, and engage in argumentation, develop those core critical communication skills. They're also learning that, hey, if someone disagrees with you, they don't hate you, they're not your enemy, it's okay to, to get into a civil discourse about something, about a, a serious political issue, and at the end of the day, shake hands and be friends. But then there's also that double uh, benefit to you, the college students, when you come in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to to see that hey, this this world is out there, um, and uh, the there are these skills that that can be developed. And I always I always find a a little twist or a little change in my classes after one of these events, where it seems like it it ignites something in the college students, mm-hmm. where they're like, yeah, I want to learn this subject. Because I saw this little fifth grader go out there, and I think this little fifth grader yeah. could beat me in an argument <laughs> if they if they had to. So I, I always I always find it's this big double benefit, and that's what um, I want to explore more in the future is the symbi- symbiotic relationship between how we can get more college students interacting with the community and getting mm-hmm. more college students uh, involved in, in events like this and in, in, in certain fields. Because I believe you are a which uh, major business business major, yeah. right? And and imagine if a, a fifth grader got to interact with you and get to take away some of your business knowledge in fifth grade, right? Yeah. And, and how they would be able, how advanced they would be able be once they did get to college and, and maybe be set on, on a pathway a lot earlier than 
than they previously would have been. Yeah, I think like starting from that young age of developing those skills is very important because now, like you said before, like kids are more on their phones and not really interacting with people. And this allows them to really get a sense of good communication and arguments and do it in a way where it's not like uh, too um, difficult for them to contribute. Yeah. And we start with an easy style of debate called spar debate, um, where the topics are really simple. Oh, the school should not have homework. School should have dress codes. Cats are better than dogs. And they're really just building foundational arguments. And then they get into more advanced political issues. I can't remember the topic, but I remember you did have the Lincoln-Douglas debates. And so uh, that and Lincoln-Douglas debates are are a little bit more serious topics. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's based on uh, Stephen Douglas and Abraham Lincoln when they were debating the moral issue uh, of slavery. And so a lot of the topics there are really, really intense. So I believe you saw the, yeah. <laughs> the more experienced uh, debaters, right? Mm-hmm. Not the, the younger ones, but yeah. yeah they were still pretty young, but like they, they, they had like their papers, like their five briefs, page, yes, like yes. with graphs and everything just laid out. <laughs> I was like, this is intense. But yeah, it's a, it's a very good uh, experience to have for especially young kids. And I'm glad you're doing it. You know, this is uh, very impactful to have. And yeah, it's a, uh, great experience. Yeah, it's and like I said, it's something I fell into accidentally because it was just my graduate project um, here, and now it is a co-career. Right, uh, teaching is my my primary career, but um, serving twenty five schools in Orange County, it's it's it's, it's a lot. It's intense, mm-hmm. um, but it is fun when they get together. And we have schools, like I said, from Tustin, Irvine, Westminster, and, and a lot of these kids come from different backgrounds. Um, different races, religions, everything, financial uh, stability. And what's fascinating is to see these kids um, interacting with each other uh, way earlier than, than, like I said, college is where you first usually get that interaction. But these kids are getting it in fourth, fifth, sixth grade with kids that are outside their circle of influence or, or their, their, their bubbles. And, and you, you can really see the kids mm-hmm. um, connecting with kids they normally wouldn't connect with. Yeah, and why do you feel like that uh, starting at a young age is so important to, to people's growth over time? I would say it's, it, um, communication is one of those things. It, all my textbooks start out, like it, uh, start out the same way where it, it talks about how communication, everyone just thinks we can do it and mm-hmm. we can do it well. Why? Because we've been doing it forever, right? Yeah. Ever since the baby starts crying because they're hungry, they're communicating. And uh, I think the misconception is that because we've been doing it for so long, we all should be good at it. Mm -hmm. And yes, doing something for a long time does make you better at it, but not if you understand the foundations and the fundamentals of it, right? And so these kids are learning argumentation and they're getting exposed at it at such a young age but they're not just arguing to argue. They're not just going, yeah, ha, nah, ah, yeah, ha, nah, ah. Mm-hmm. They're learning how to formulate an argument, right, through claim, warrant, evidence, impacts. And then they're learning how to analyze arguments. So they're, getting, they're learning the skills, and they're getting better at the skills. And so by the time they become adults, they can see, like I said, I, I believe so many adults think that if someone disagrees with you, they're the enemy, right? They're on the opposite side. But these kids are learning that, no, 
we can disagree uh, and we should engage and talk about our disagreements so that I understand you better and you understand me better and um, and we can coexist. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much research out there about the echo chambers or the um, people who are only finding and interacting with like-minded people, whether it's online. And I would put forth the notion that these students who are engaging in this activity at such a young age are not going to do that, right? They're going to understand that it's okay to interact with people who don't see the world the same way you do. And I believe that it's going to create for a better political climate, a better environment environment for everyone. And, uh, and that's just me talking about the social implications and societal implications. But there is a lot that goes into your personal life, right? Yeah. Having a meaningful uh, friendship, having good friends, having a, a good partner. Uh, that, that's all communication. And that is, of course, your ability to understand arguments and disagreements because the closer and more you interact with people, the more you're going, going to have them. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it's so important at a young age is because uh, these brains are developing and they're formulating their, their view of the world and they're formulating uh, their, their how, how, to, how to interact with people. And like I said, I'll go back to that, yeah. that notion or idea that they're seeing that it is okay to not agree all the time and, and not have someone, have your circle see the world the exact same way you do. And I go back to a question I asked my uh, class. I, I got the uh, privilege of teaching an early college class on a high school campus this year. And I asked them about uh, interactions, about political discourse. And almost everyone in the class says, you don't do it. And I said, what do you mean you don't do it? Said, they said, you don't talk about things that's happening societal-wise or socially mm -hmm. or politically because you're going to lose a friend. And so they said that you're going to, and, and I don't think that that's the way the yeah. world should be. And like I said, going back to your initial question, these, these kids now starting at a young age are not going to see the world that way. They're not going to see the world as, oh, I can't talk about this because if I do, I'm going to now lose a friend or lose, lose yeah. an ally. Yeah. And just understanding other people's perspectives is, again, very important. And going back to like political uh, talk that you were talking about, um, during your class, we talked about um, the Andrew Yang's uh, like debate the f with the, the freedom dividend. Yeah, I freedom it was dividend. called. Um, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, he dropped out, which is sad. But you know, nobody gets their thousand dollars anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, that. That was interesting. That's what I love about when I'm teaching this class mm -hmm. during a debate season or yeah. during a uh, election season season because. I get to bring in uh, real issues that politicians and people are talking about. And again, I mean, you may have been, because it was the Congress debate, and you have to formulate and you have to write cases for both supporting mm -hmm. the bill and against the bill. You have to write both cases, yeah. and you have to get up and you have to speak and to, to see both sides. But I love when we can bring in stuff uh, like that, like yeah. what's really happening out there. Uh, and so it's always fun to teach the, the, the argumentation debate course during a political season, whether it be uh, whether we're voting on new ballots or initiatives or, or yeah, presidential. Mm -hmm. Have uh, you been paying attention to the political race? Uh, occasionally. I have not been yeah. watching the debates, but I have been watching the recaps. Mm -hmm. I've been watching the recaps. Unfortunately, 
uh, the debates come on during prime Pokemon hunting hours, and so I'm out <laughs> yeah. hunting Pokemon. So yeah, that's a fun fact about him. Like, <laughs> he, he, like you're the only person I know that still plays that game. <laughs> Pokemon Go is not dead, so <laughs> nobody else, <laughs> nobody else plays it. Like I remember, like walking, like from like back to my dorm, and then you you're walking to, to your car, and you. You went, You had your phone out, and you walked like the other way just to get like another Pokemon. Yep, I, I will not walk. I will walk. I have my loop, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my car is straight ahead, but you walk in this loop. You get the engineering building. There's a, there's a stop yeah. there, um, and so those, those engineers uh, they're taking down the gym, and every once in a while somebody will have a red gym up, and I'll throw up on my Pokemon. <laughs> so you'll you'll see one of my guys chilling there. What made you get into it? Um, my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. It, I first when it first came out, I was not into it, but as my kids started getting older, uh, I noticed we were just sitting at home too much, mm-hmm. and so I, I downloaded the game first, and then I actually went to a national speech and debate tournament in Dallas, and I noticed that there were these stops all over the place, and I noticed in my head I was like, oh, I'm gonna walk this way, I'm gonna walk and do this, uh, because I want to get the stops or catch these or see that what's out here. And then, so when I came back from that national speech and debate tournament in Dallas, Texas, I made my kids download it. Mm-hmm. I didn't give them a choice. I made them download it. And they were like, we don't want to play this game. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it was the same thing. They, they started saying, oh, well, we can go for this. And we ended up, it was because it was the summertime. And we ended up spending most of the summer out on hikes in the park, uh, doing things like that that we weren't normally doing because of the game. So... Uh, yeah. That's that's why I started playing it, but it, it's a little cool. I mean, mm-hmm. it came out when I was in high school, right? The, the actual Pokemon show yeah. came out when I was uh, in early high school, and it would be on, and I'd be like, "All right, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna watch this. Hopefully, nobody will make fun of me at school, but I'm gonna watch it." And I, I actually watched the show, so uh, it's kind of neat to share that general, general, generationally. You said yeah. you edit that out, so make it make me sound like I'm smart when I say generationally. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just the the fact that this has been around and, and catching all all of these things, and and like I said, it's uh, we, my family and I start we started looking for hikes, mm-hmm. um, and we weren't really big hikers, just so we can go out and and it was it's neat just to be out in a big family. Yeah, um, for, there's four of us, so we actually started making my wife play. So there's mm-hmm. all four of us out there out there playing now. Yeah, that's one of the benefits of technology that like. It makes you create like that game. It, you had to walk and and go places to find the Pokemon. And, yeah, yeah. yeah it, I mean it's built into the game, and so the designers of the game did have a conscious um, conscious effort to design a game that forced people to interact with each other. Right? Mm-hmm. If you want to go back and tie that into communication, because a big part of the game is making friends. Um, me and me and my kids now we're out and we'll, we we have so many people that we talk to now just yeah. because of this and 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 it is it's funny because I think the cell phone did bring us this own little private world now we we have this own creative world but I think that game said okay now this little private world we're gonna make you be a public world again we're gonna make you interact with other human beings and uh, and communicate with with other people. It's it was interesting. I, I, I the, the one little fun fact is, uh, we were in uh, up up north. Uh, where is it? Crescent City near the Oregon border. Mm-hmm. And we're walking around, and this old couple looks at us and goes, 
you guys look like you're playing Pokemon Go. And we're like, yeah, we are. And then they smile at us, or we are too. And then we, so we ended up talking to this couple. They're from Oregon. And my kids, right, we're all in this big conversation. It started yeah. out talking about Pokemon Go, but it, it advanced and it, it changed into a conversation about um, the Redwoods. We were up looking at the Redwoods and it just, mm-hmm. and we probably never would have interacted with these people yeah. if, if they hadn't first said something to us. Um, and so it, it's neat. It, it's, it's neat when technology is purposely doing that, right? When yeah. it's purposely trying to create a connection uh, mm-hmm. between people. Do you think uh, social media has the same impact? Social media is interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be one of those social media bashers. But again, um, I'm in the older generation. You all don't use Facebook anymore and things yeah. like that. What, what is it? TikTok? Is that? I mean, there's TikTok. There's Snapchat, Instagram. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. Um, I, I believe that it has created a harmful environment for communication. Um, and I believe there's good and bad in everything. And if we want to go back to really, it's, it's how people use it. Um, there's, there's a lot. When, I mean, when you talk about bullying and the pervasiveness of bullying now because you it never leaves right you you people bullying was bad at school Mm -hmm. but imagine now it's bad when you go home and you get you see it online and things like that but then there's also the fact that now there's all these communities right where if you maybe don't have a lot of people who think look um and identify with certain things that you identify with you can now go online and build these communities and find the support so it's all this it's just so it's just good and bad and i think that's the question right is Um, ooh, let's do that Congress or debate question. <laughs> I mean, how do you regulate it? Should you regulate it? Um, mm-hmm. One of the interesting... Because uh, currently, I don't think it is regulated yeah. at all. Uh, I know I know that some schools, uh, especially private schools, will make you, if you have a, a social media account, they make you give them access to it. And But then I mean, you can always create fake ones and things like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that is a question uh, for reach and things like that. Do, do the schools have the right to now regulate that and protect kids because of things that they see online. Uh, social media, like I said, I think I think it's, it has its good and its bad and with any mm-hmm. new creation. I mean, we can go back to to the car, right? I yeah. mean, we the, the car industry had to be forced to put seatbelts in the cars to save people and, and airbags and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a whole different idea, but it's the same thing. I mean, how it's it's this new thing and we've yeah, got it's to figure it's, it's out. Yeah, it's still like relatively new this platform of it's only been I don't know 10 15 years since social media has become popularized yeah. and now more people are using it and we still haven't seen the full effects of how it really shapes people to be different. Yeah, and, and um it, it's different than social media but it's uh, with with things being online and everything like that. Uh, students, I mean, there's cases where students are now maybe not getting their acceptance to certain universities rejected because of stuff that, that they posted years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Or, and and it's, 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 a, it's an interesting world, and it is. It's all directly related to communication. And I would argue that the same principles apply as far as understanding how to construct a message and the importance of, hey, you're always communicating. You're always informing people about who you are through your actions, through your words, through your post. Um, make sure you understand how, uh, we call it encoding and decoding, right? Within communication, you have a person or 
uh, a message that's being encoded through symbolic interaction. So I'm choosing how to encode this message, send it to you. You're dissecting it through your worldview, decoding it and extracting meaning from it. Mm -hmm. um, but the competent communicator is someone who is aware of the way that messages, is, the possible ways that messages could be decoded. And they want to make sure that that message is being interpreted in a, in a favorable light. Yeah. So. What do you think is the best way to use social media for communication? Like, in your opinion, since you said, like, of course it could be treated like you could bully and stuff, and that's a bad way to use it. But what do you think is the best way for people to use social media? If there was a way to, if everyone understood, uh, you know, the, the purpose and the correct way to formulate arguments and didn't, and weren't so personally invested in getting getting their feelings hurt when someone disagrees with you. Mm -hmm. I think it would be the best way to build social media would be to create forums to interact and talk with people uh, who don't think like you. I think that would be the perfect way to use social media is to get people together uh, who are outside of your social bubble uh, to to get their ideas and their thoughts and to interact with, with, with other people and say, okay, here's how I see the world, how's you? And you've got your, it's asynchronistic communication, mm -hmm. right? They post and you post. It's not the, um, you don't have the facial interaction. And sometimes that's what allows people to be so rude to each other yeah. on the internet. Um, and Because they're hiding behind a screen. Yes, man. yes, but um, maybe that's the, that we take that away and we create these forums for people where, where you have communication in your, mm -hmm. um, through through like a, a go-to meeting or something like that, right? Yeah. Where you can see the person you're interacting with. But I think that would be the best way to use social media is to build communities, mm -hmm. bring people together. Um, when I talk about my first interaction with Facebook that I thought was so cool was, of course, people that I probably would have never, ever seen again. Mm -hmm. uh, high school, uh, people from high school, people from middle school, uh, even family members, right, who yeah. live across the country, I, I can now just kind of drop in, check on them. And, and I'm more likely to pick up the phone and call them now because I see something that's happening mm -hmm. with them. So I, I do see a positive like building of relationships and keeping connections through social media. That's Facebook. I don't know what's happening on the uh, Insta Snap uh -huh. Gram chat. Yeah, I think Twitter is like the most like uh, is the best platform for what you're talking about since you could tweet and reply like to whatever people are saying. You mean going back to the notion or the idea of building communities yeah, and, and, and getting people who are not so like-minded yeah. together. Okay. It's more like a forum where if you if you want to talk about a subject, then another user can also like go in and reply to your message and you could have a conversation. And I think that's like the best use of it. Uh, but again, it could be used out of hand there's, since there's no regulation. And again, you have to understand uh, you know, communication, if they understand, um, going argument, right? Being able to why, how you form, how you form arguments, how do you analyze an argument? Mm -hmm. Um, how do you attack an argument? Right. And, and, and attack, not in a negative way, like attack, attack, but how do you analyze it to take it apart to, to determine its validity? Mm -hmm. The uh, people need to understand that. And, and that's, what you gain through a communication course, whether it be through an argumentation course, public speaking course, you you gain that those skills. But I would say that those skills are lacking, and that's why we have the interactions we do have. Yeah.
that's the importance of communication in our daily lives. And I think that sums it up. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed and learned something uh, from this episode. Uh, thank you, Professor. Thank you for, for having me. Up. Yep. All right. See you guys later. Bye.